after the floods and petulance of week one, it was finally the racing that caused the seismic shifts in the Vuelta a España. I'm Gary, and this is the Vuelta Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavello.cc. Welcome everybody to the second rest day supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavella.cc. Um, a week ago, I don't think we could have envisaged um, a race that was going to be um, crazy, but on a slightly different level um, from the uh, the nine stages that we, we'd seen beforehand at the opening of this year's Vuelta a España. Um, my, my friend and colleague from uh, BiteRaceInfo.com, um, David Stanley, um, summed the first week up of of this year's Vuelta um, very neatly on the on the feed zone this week. First of all, we were racing in a deluge in the dark. This is kind of in stage order too. Uh, the organizers had to take the GC at the uh, times at the foot of Mont Juke, nine kilometers from the finish. Remco f- crashes into what was it, a soigneur or a photographer at the finish line. And meanwhile, while that was going on, the police apprehended some people who were going to pour 400 liters of motor oil onto the race course. Um, Stage four, of course, it had that incredibly bad last turn, a kilometer from the end. And everybody in the front group, except for the front two, went down in that crash. Um, My boy, Eddie Dunbar, who I have high hopes for, he crashes out in the neutral zone. Uh, A man was arrested during, I believe it was stage six. He wanted to drive his car into the Peloton. And um, then Jesus Herrera, you know, he wins that glorious stage. And I was really rooting for him because why not? And his soigneur acts such the manic fool uh, celebrating that the police level him to get him out of the way. Of course, what David didn't mention also was the, the lightning uh, that threatened the transfer flights um, to Valladolid um, on, on the, the, the night before the rest day. Um, so, yeah, the, the first week was chaotic um, from an organisational and from a meteorological perspective, and perhaps less so from a racing perspective. Um, and so we kind of breathed a sigh of relief last week when we got to got to the rest day and we got through the Valladolid time trial. Um, and then it all kind of started to unravel or at least not immediately so let's have a quick look back over the last uh, week's racing um at, at this year's Vuelta a España so stage 11 was on the back of the time trial we 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 started the race with Sepp Kuss of Jumbo Visma um, leading GC. Um, Mark Soler of United Arab Emirates, uh, UAE team Emirates rather, um, 26 seconds behind. Remco Evenepoel of Sudal Quickstep, um, a minute and nine back in third place. With Jumbo Visma's Primoz Roglic, 136. Lenny Martinez, Fonse de Jure, and two minutes back. So that was a top five that was, you know, it looked like things were kind of poised. Uh, for a week of GC action um, that was going to take us back up into the Pyrenees, back to the, to the Tourmalet, um, and 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 yeah, and so on and so forth. So stage eleven, there was no kind of rest after the time trial, straight into the hills um, from Lerma to Laguna Negra, um, 
And we all got a little bit excited, didn't we? Uh, about Geraint Thomas being in the breakaway. Admit it. Um, he was joined by Lot Lotto Destiny's Andrew Cron, Roman Gregoire of FDJ, Hezu Harada of Coffee D, uh, Jonathan Caicedo of EF, and Thomas's teammate, um, Filippo Ganna. Uh, and they were a group that had six minutes on the peloton, and we're starting to think, this is going to stay away. Um, and it did! But ultimately, it was a Harada who took the spoils after reeling in uh, Caicedo with uh, around 300 metres to go. Um, and he soloed um, into his overexcited Swanure that, uh, that David uh, mentioned on the, on the recap of the, of, of the, the, uh, the race so far. Um, Gregoire got the better of a Cron, um, and uh, it was Geraint Thomas um, who was back in fifth spot, a mere 19 seconds adrift, um, and with no, no change in GC. So, right, yep, tick, another one done. Um, stage 12, flat stage 1 for the sprinters from uh, Olvega to Zaragoza, um, 150.6 kilometre race. Um, there's a two-man breakaway um, got away after less than three kilometres, um, which never really ends well, does it? Burgos BH's uh, Jetsy Ball um, and Kaharu Rao's uh, Apple Balderstone, um, they were allowed two minutes um, and they were kind of left out there for the thick end, 120 kilometres, which is really where you don't want to be. Um, it was UAE's Rui Oliveira who led out his teammate Juan Sebastian Milano to take the win um, ahead of the green jersey where Caden Groves of Alpes and Koinig. So, sprint stage, done. Come on, get on with it. Um, stage 13, um, here we go. It was Formigal Tourmalé, 134.7 kilometres, and yes, it was a mountain stage. It said in the, in the, uh, in the road book, of course it was. Um, in short, Jumbo Visma blew it to hell, didn't they? Um, they kicked things off on the Obisk. Um, Barry Victorious, uh, Juan Ayuso and uh, Rev Guernopo were the first notable victims um, sliding out the back. Um, Remco lost a minute and a half or so um, on the climb um, to, to the peloton. Um, we then had uh, Sepp Kuss and Jonas Vingegaard in a group of four with Damiano Caruso and Mikel Landa uh, that briefly threatened on the lower part, they called the Spandels. Um, it was then brought back together um, before Jumbo Visma pressed the red button again, um, Lenny Martinez being the victim um, this time around. Um, and by the rate, the time the race reached the Tourmalet, there were really only eight riders left in contention. Vingegaard, Kus, Roglic, Jumbo Visma trio, um, Enric Maas, um, Uchibuks of uh, Bora and Juan Ayuso. Um, Vingegaard attacked on, on the Tourmalet, um, and claw, you know, t immediately almost taking a minute out of things, which, which kind of made me wonder. Okay, what is Jumbo Visma's plan here, vis-a-vis um, -vis the red jersey? Um, and at that point, I was thinking, I really want Sepkus to win this race, which was the first time um, I think I'd, I'd thought that um, for a, for a good number of days. Um, the Flamme Rouge uh, came around. Sepkus jumped at that point and actually clawed back some thirty seconds on Vingegaard. Um, Roglic was three seconds back in third place on the stage, trailed by Ayuso and Utgebrutz. And Evnepol was shepherded in by his teammates Jan Hirt, James Knox, and Mattia Catania over twenty-seven minutes back. Um, what this meant was the Jumbo Visma had GC podium, um, with one forty-four separating the three riders. Um, and it was just an amazing show um, on a stage like the Tourmalet. Um, Evnepol was you know, miserable, inexplicably, um, and, you know, was he distraught? Certainly upset. Um, some 
19, uh, 19th position after a day. He'd want to forget, and as I said, the, the team couldn't really explain. Um, and I think it just shows that how form is elusive. Um, and he didn't have the luxury of having you know two G- GC superstars um, alongside him on the stage. Um, it was you know, always going to be a difficult ask, um, effectively, um, Evnipol leading his team and leading himself against uh, the Yumbo Visma Trident. Um, and it just looked you know, pretty grim um, for Evnipol that night. Um, and I suspect that a long, dark evening of the soul um, had lain ahead. Um, stage 14. Now, I had joked that Evnipol would slip into the early break on this stage unnoticed while Yumbo Visma showboated at the back. Um, and he would then gain 10 minutes. Um, and it wasn't quite how it worked out on the, the uh, 156 kilometer stage to Lara Bilagua. Um, but he did end up in a break that had uh, four minutes on the call, sir, um, and a lead that became three minutes thanks to UAE playing the role of the bad guys today. Um, Roman Bardet followed it in the pole over the summit of that climb, and the pair actually were able to stretch a lead over the uh, Puerto de la Rao, um, working together um, really quite. Uh, effectively, and, and we, you know, we 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 slay Evnipol for doing a lot of work himself, um, but it was a you know a good effort by both riders. Um, Bardet perhaps inevitably lost touch um, with four kilometers to go, and Evnipol um, soloed in a minute and twelve ahead of the Frenchman. And um, the GC group would come in eight minutes back. Um, obviously, no change in GC. Um, although after that, Evnipol did and continues to lead the King of the Mountains competition. Um, and to Sunday, the bull run from Pamplona to Lickenberry, 158.3 kilometres. Um, and it almost as if to underline the fact that the previous day maybe wasn't a, a one-off. Evnipol was you know, pretty much in the thick and very feisty from from the get-go. Um, it took around 50 kilometres or so for a break to actually form on the first three category, like, categorised climbs. Um, there's a group of around 20 riders that contained Evnipol, Bardet, Lidl Trex, Juanpe Lopez, um, Santiago Botrago, Barring Victorious, Andres Cron, Lotto Destiny, plus Mark Soler, Jonas Vingigo, um, and Alexander Vlasov, Vlasov of Bora Hansgro. Um, not a bad break at all. Um, the rest of the Jumbo Visma team pretty much decided this wasn't wasn't going to stay away and driving the chase um, and the group was was reeled in pretty much about six kilometres from the summit um, which is where the next break took place where Evnipol um, intermarches Rui Costa um, Arkea Samsic Cristiano Rodriguez um, and they went um, being bridged to by Boutrago and Lenny Kamna amongst others um, and there was a group of 15 that had some three minutes on the peloton um, this brought the race into the finishing circuit with two ascents of the category 2 Puerto Desuarate, um, with about 40 kilometres to go, and it was in the second run, or the second ascent of that climb, um, that Buitrago and Rui Costa escaped, um, chased by Leonard Kamner, um, who would ultimately set off alone on the descent. Um, he, unfortunately, um, overcooked a left-hand turn, um, almost taking Rui Costa with him as he followed at his wheels. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a theme developing in the way Rui Costa races here, isn't there? Um, and that left Rui Costa and Buitrago seemingly to fight it out um, uncontested for the win, but the inevitable um, and the ensuing cat and mouse, um, and as I say, <laughs> Rui Costa is never knowingly overworked in a breakaway, is he? Um, and this meant that Leonard Kamna was able to get back on with about a kilometre to go. Um, 
Butrago then tried to start the sprint early, um, but Costa and then Kamna overhauled him on the line. Um, the Everpool group were closing pretty rapidly as a result of the, the cat and mouse, as I spoke, um, and they finished only two seconds back, um, and GC came in three minutes adrift of the group. So, after a breathless second week, um, rest day GC looks like this. Uh, Sepp Kuss, Jumbo Visma, leads the race, um, one minute 37 seconds ahead of his teammate Primoz Roglic. Um, Jonas Vingdegol, um is one minute 44 off GC. Um, another thick end of a minute back is UAE Emirates uh, Juan Ayuso um, and Enric Mas of Movistar at three minutes back. Um, there are some nearly nine minutes currently covered GC at the moment. Um, we've got the Jumbo Visma trio. We've also got a, a UAE Emirates trio. We've got two Bora Hansgrohe riders in there. Um, Alexander Vlasov and Kian Utrebrutz. Utrecht Brutz, Brooks even. Um, and we've got Michael Lander. Um, so it's not perhaps not as we perhaps envisaged at the start of the weeks that we'd have Jumbo Visma um, 1, 2, 3 but um, what an incredible week's racing um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that and we'll look forward in a minute So, a remarkable second week at the Vuelta a España. Uh, the talking points, well, the, the jumbo elephant in the room is the, uh, the Jumbo Visma 1-2-3 on the stage and uh, to the Tourmalet, but also on GC. Um, I, I don't want to do the old cycling, the weary cycling fan, oh, we've been here before. This obviously means bad things. Um, but does it really? Um, I, I think it was an impressive display on the Tourmalet stage by Jumbo Visma, who let's be honest, are there with three GC superstars. Um, so on the one hand, what did you expect? Um, was it bad for cycling? Well, that depends. Um, is it the team's job to to do, you know, to race in the, you know, within the spirit of the law? Um, but is it is it their, their duty to do so, do what is good for cycling? Um, I think it was great for the team. I, sus- I think it was a tremendous, um, reward for for Jumbo the, the sponsors who are they're, um, ending their, their sports sponsorship by the end of next year um, and they'd said that they would, they were pulling out because they'd done everything there was to do in cycling I think this is the last thing there is left to do in cycling get another you know, get a Vuelta a España 1-2-3 on a stage is remarkable 1-2-3 um, in GC would be absolutely historic was it you know was there a suggestion of malfeasance I don't think so. Um, there's, you know, is it as Gary Imlach once said during the Chris Froome reign um, at the Tour de France? Was it you know celebrate the spectacle or submit your evidence to the contrary? Um, and I don't think anybody has any evidence to the contrary. And yet, it was the race circumstance that led, I think, to, to the. Uh, and we spoke about this on the feed zone. If you're on the subscriber feed, um, I apologise for the repeat. Um, but the fact that Evnepol was dropped early in that stage. Um, and continued to lose time, it was obviously having a bad day, just lent itself to Jumbo Visma putting the hammer down and shedding people um, left, right and centre. Um, so uh, whether that was the game plan, I don't know, but you know it was hugely, hugely successful and hugely effective. Um, and I think at a sporting level, 
you have to admire that, like a team winning endless Champions Leagues or League titles or Cups or whatever. Um, the endeavour um, has to be applauded, um, whether we like it or not. Has it killed the race? Potentially. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, in a bit later. Um, but it was, you know, we have witnessed something utterly remarkable and utterly unprecedented. Was it impossible? No, it was improbable perhaps. Um, but it was you know, it was what it was. And we're sitting here going into the final week of a grand tour with three riders from the same team separated by a minute and three quarters. Mental maybe the you know, the mental is continuing into this week. Um we saw Remco Evnepol as being I don't think if we were in any doubt um utterly human. Um, you know, we've deep down we've always known that. Um, I particularly liked his touch uh, after stage thirteen, um, gifting his uh, a Belgian national champion jersey uh, to Roman Bardet, and which I thought was a a really a really classy move for a, a young guy. And it's you think back, it's barely three years since um, we saw him crashing um, on the that, that descent at uh, Lombardia, um, and we oh, hope the kid's okay. It's the same kid, um, and we have been. You know, we've been talking about over the last three years and more. Um, he admitted himself he probably did too much work on stage 14. Um, but, you know, what the hell? The guy's a racer. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's clawed back 11 minutes. And if, you know, if the race was to go into a fourth week, he might yet get himself back into contention. Uh, but I think he, he has... His, his perceived failure, his collapse, whatever you want to call it, his bad day uh, on the tourmalet, um, was was exactly that. Um, he seems healthy. He seems well, um, and he's racing again, and that that's been great to see. So we're into the final week then, um, and this week brings two mountain stages, uh, one of which um, involves the Anglerou. Um, but let's let's talk about that. Um, is it going to be all about that? I don't know. There are a couple of interesting looking stages, um, and then we'll talk about them. Um, but the race starts again tomorrow, stage 16 from Lienkreis to Behes. Um, it's got a real Amstel feel to it, this stage. I think it's uh, one of those up and down old days. There's nothing particularly um, steep or mental in the in the run-up. Um, but the final climb um, to Behes is category two, um, but it's steep, it's short and sharp. Um, and in another day, you might say, this might have Remco Everpool written all over it. Um, and I would very much like to see that. Um, so, stage 16, stage 17. Um, this is the ninth time that the Vuelta España has visited the uh, the Alto de, de Langlerou. Anglerou? I always like to call it the Angry Lou. How's that kind of feel about it? Um, it is a beast. Uh, 12 kilometres average and 10.1%. 17% at the steepest part, which is just about a kilometre or so from the summit. Um... The race kind of has a warm-up. Um, there are two categorised climbs um, beforehand. We've got the Cat 1, Alto de la Coyadea, um, Coradilla, sorry, um, which is 6.5 kilometres at 8% um, after 75 kilometres of racing. Um, and then, as per the last time the uh, the race went up, the, uh, the Anglerou in 2020, a race, stage one by EF's Hugh Carthy, who's been kind of, not anonymous, but yeah, a bit anonymous this year. Um, the Alto de Cordal um, is a cat one, again, another 5.7 kilometres um, at 8.5% um, before it all kicks off on the Anglerou. Um, it's going to be a GC day. I think you're going to be 
you know, we're looking at Jumbo Visma, um, whether they can stamp their authority all over this stage and all over that claim again um, remains to be seen. Um, I wonder what their game plan is this week. Was Kuss and the Red Jersey the plan that we'd always hoped for? Maybe, um, but I think it is going to be an incredible stage. Um, and I am looking at my calendar to get other meetings I can cancel because this is going to be a cracker. Um, stage 18 um, is another mountain stage uh, from Polo de Allende to La Cruz de Linares. Um, it's a circuit. Um, we've got two, two ascents of the uh, La Cruz de Linares. Um, at the end of the race, after with about 25 kilometres to go, we have no fewer than four or five categorised climbs. Um, starting with the uh, the Alto de las Estacas, um, Cat 2, before going to the Puerto de San Lorenzo, um, Alto de Tenende de Drebo, um, before the uh, Cruz de Linares uh, climbs um, kick in there and again it's it could be a day for the breakaway um, the way this race is going I don't know if Jumbo Visma are going to try and strangle things um, but again it's you know it's going to kick off at some point um, stage 19 is the penultimate chance for the sprinters I think um, from La Bañeza to Iscar um, 177.1 kilometres it's yeah, it rolls in parts, um, but it's essentially a, a flat stage. Um, are we looking at Caden Groves to uh, get his third third sprint win of the, the race? Um, you never know, comfortably leading the Green Jersey competition um, as we speak. Um, stage 20, um, not a, a kind of leisurely penultimate stage, is it? This has a real... Um, it's a real kind of classic feel about it. Um, if I said that the stage 16 has a kind of Amstel Goldfield, this is a Liege, Bastogne Liege type um, type stage um, from Manzanares de Real to Guadarrama. Um, and there are just a whole ton of Cat 3 climbs, all of them averaging maybe 4, 5, 6%. So nothing, uh, nothing particularly steep. Um, in the wider scheme of things um, but there are multiple ascents on three, effectively um, an out and back kind of um, with three um, separate loops in between um, so you know, multiple ascents of three climbs um, and that's really going to kill people's like, and this is a you know this is a the, uh, the one of the longest stages of the race as well 207.8 kilometres so it's a huge and it's it's going to be a killer. And again, you could say this could have Remco Evnipol on it. It could have anybody on it. It could also have a Primoz Roglic on it. You never know. Um, and then, rounding off, something a bit more leisurely for the GC guys. Not so much for the sprinters. Um, from uh, the Hippodromo de la Lazuela to Madrid um, and into the, the city. Um, eight laps. Um, of the circuit once they're in the city um, and you would be thinking that Juan Sebastian, Juan Sebastian Milano uh, may be fancying his chances um, for victory on the last day so is it all about stage 17 is it all about the Anglerou um, potentially um, are Jumbo Visma going to go all or nothing is it you know top three is it locking out the podium um, can they work to just keep one guy in the red jersey um Obviously they can. They've got every every option available to them um, going into the last week of the race. Um, and yet, um, there are still possible 
traps lying in wait. UAE still have numbers in GC. I mentioned that they, you know, they've got three riders in there. Um, and also, what were the chances of doing some Spanish alliances um, with Bahrain um, and, and Movistar um, to maybe try and nudge a couple of um, of the Spanish riders onto GC? Um, it's not beyond the realms of impossibility. Um, we don't know what uh, Sepp Kuss is going to be like in the third the third week of a Grand Tour um, defending a jersey. I mean, he's more than capable in the third week of a Grand Tour. Um, let's let's you know, scotch that one straight away. Um, but I think if the other teams are prepared to race and prepared to lose, uh, we could see an absolutely fascinating um, final week in GC. Or we could be sitting here on... Wednesday night going, that's it all over. Um, and we kind of felt like that after the Tourmalet stage, and yet I think there's still a lot of racing um, to be, a lot of racing to be found if the, if the racers, if the riders themselves dare to go looking for it. There you go, there's a challenge to the uh, to the peloton, who are almost certainly listening, I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's probably as good a it's good a note to wrap things up um, this evening. Um, this has been the Vuelta España supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast. Um, we, if you're listening on the free feed, you can sign up for premium content at cyclinglegendspodcast.com um, where you will find history shows, you'll find interviews, you'll find features um, and you'll find the fortnightly feed zone where you'll also find my aforementioned and aforeheard uh, colleague Dave Stanley uh, with myself and Chris Sidwells every couple of weeks um, to chew the fat on all things cycling, all things racing um, and occasionally all things cycling in- industry. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Cycling Legends 1 and you can find me on Twitter X, sorry, um, on the other one, what's it called? Threads, um, Spoutable Instagram, you get me at the Gary Fairley. Um, why not also get in touch? You will find us um, at uh, cyclinglegendspodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line, uh, it would be nice to hear from you. We've just opened up that channel. Um, so send, you know, send us your thoughts, send us your chat, um, and we will happily, happily reply and engage with you. Um, in the meantime, this has been the Vuelta España supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavello.cc. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.